KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. You are listening to You Gotta Be Hungry with world-renowned motivator Les Brown who continues his month-long radio residency exclusively here on KBLA Talk 1580. And we are all the better for having been exposed uh, to this master class taught by Les Brown every weekday in the month of February. It's the first ever radio residency on this station, and I am delighted that Les Brown accepted our invitation to be uh, the inaugural uh, griot, if you will, uh, for this radio residency, which I'm convinced will be uh, a staple around here um, from time to time, given how well this one has gone and how well it's been received by the audience, being able to hear the voice of uh, Mamie Brown's baby boy every day on this station. Two things before we get into the conversation with Les Brown. Uh, today's lesson, first of all, by the way, is uh, it's not over until you win. I can't wait on this one. I'm so excited. It's not over until you win. Uh, and so we'll get to Les Brown in a second here. Two things, though. Uh, tomorrow uh, is the last day of February, which means that tomorrow, say it ain't so, say it ain't so. Tomorrow is the last master class uh, to be taught in this radio residency by Les Brown. If you've missed any of the classes heretofore, any of these sessions heretofore, everything is on our socials. You can listen in podcast at your leisure to any of these conversations with Les Brown over the course of this month. But tomorrow, the 28th, uh, is his last class, and I will be away tomorrow in the third hour. Let me just back up first. In the first hour of tomorrow's program, you've been hearing the promo for weeks now, tomorrow the return uh, actually takes place at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Um, so uh, those have been those, those of you have been hearing uh, the promotion for the return, um, wait no more, <laughs> wait, wait no longer. Tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time, the return, this live radio play, uh, we'll broadcast at 9 a.m. People have been asking me, what is it? Is it somebody asked me in a restaurant, is it a seance? I said, no, nah, man, it ain't no seance. What it is, <laughs> uh, Dr. King and uh, Minister Malcolm come back to Earth uh, 50 plus years after their assassinations. And they choose to sit for a conversation with a guy named Tavis Smiley. And Tavis Smiley does what he does. He asks them some pressing questions about contemporary issues, uh, and you hear Minister Malcolm, you hear Dr. King uh, speak to the contemporary issues that we are facing right now with words that they used heretofore. I think after hearing uh, this radio play tomorrow, The Return, you'll be even more impressed with the work and the witness and the body uh, of work uh, left by uh, Brother Malcolm and, and Brother Martin. Um, because the things they'll be saying tomorrow uh, in conversation with me in answer to the questions that I want to pose to them um, are things that you can find, again, in their body of work. It shows you how prescient, how prophetic these two brothers were over, you know, a half century ago um, with what they were sharing with us then that is so applicable to the challenges, the conundrums uh, that we face even today. So this radio play, The Return, uh, premieres tomorrow at 9 a.m. Um, both of these great uh, uh, persons will be in studio with us tomorrow. Uh, and so you will hear this conversation at 9 a.m. tomorrow. At 10 o'clock tomorrow, there is an encore performance. If you happen to miss any of the first hour, right at 10 o'clock Pacific time tomorrow, an encore performance of the first hour, it'll, it'll play right back tomorrow in the second hour. So you get two chances to hear the return tomorrow at 9 a.m. and at 10 a.m. Pacific time 
um, on this uh, on this station. And in our third hour tomorrow, uh, the last day of the master class taught by uh, the great motivator Les Brown. Now, because I will not be here tomorrow in the third hour, Les Brown is going to conduct this class all by himself tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, the 11 o'clock hour will be uh, Les Brown uh, solo. Uh, I will be across town tomorrow uh, around that time because tomorrow is our luncheon. You've been hearing and reading about our luncheon on all of our socials. We are excited uh, tomorrow uh, to, as a black talk radio station, honor so many black legends in Los Angeles media. There's a huge sold-out luncheon tomorrow to honor these black legends. We'll be honoring Mark Brown and Leslie Sykes from Channel 7. We'll be honoring Jim Hill and Pat Harvey from Channel 2. We'll be honoring Pat Prescott, a longtime radio personality in this city, recently retired from 94.7 The Wave. We'll be honoring Beverly White of Channel 4, recently retired after 30 years as the best reporter at NBC, a local. And we'll be honoring Sandy Banks, who's written for over 30 years, a column uh, and so many other things she's done at the L.A. Times. All of these legends, these icons, will be honored tomorrow at this exclusive luncheon that's now sold out uh, in, in our city. But we'll be celebrating them tomorrow. And if a black station is about anything, it ought to be about honoring those persons who have uh, done the hard work and, and been shining examples, uh, beacons of light and hope to all the rest of us uh, who want to be in this broadcast business. So tomorrow, after uh, we... Uh, Wrap our uh, radio play, The Return. I'm going to jump in my car, run all across town uh, to get to this luncheon that we're hosting tomorrow, uh, honoring these local black media legends. And I will pass the mic, literally, <laughs> to Les Brown, who will be all by himself tomorrow conducting his final master class. You've got to be hungry with Les Brown on KBLA Talk 1580. When we come forward, uh, we will commence uh, today's class with Les Brown. Once again, it's entitled... It's not over until you win. You're about to hear the motivator, Les Brown, in a moment on KBLA Talk. I now yield to the gentleman from Liberty City in Miami by way of Atlanta, the world-renowned motivator, Les Brown. Thank you very much. I want to ask you, did you see the NAACP Awards the other night? I didn't see them. I've seen clips from them, but I didn't get a chance to see the show in its entirety. I did not. Okay, did you did you see the acceptance speech by your very good friend Ben Crump? I did not see it, uh, but I love Ben Crump. He is my dear friend and brother. But I did not see his acceptance speech. Was it was it a good one? Man, let me tell you something. At the end of his speech, he said, "We will fight until hell freezes over, and then we will skate as we fight <laughs> on the ice." That's it. That's it. <laughs> We will skate on the ice yeah. as we fight. Oh, yeah, that's it. I said, come on, <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've heard him. Uh, he, I, he, uh, he doesn't use it all the time. That is a great line. We're going we gonna to fight till hell freezes over. And when hell freezes over, we will fight on the ice. I've heard him say it before. It's a great line. It is a great line. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah, man, I love it. We will fight on the ice. I love that. I, that's my first time hearing it. That's I a great line. It was through. I said, Y'all need to end the program right now. <laughs> no, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one, man. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that that I wanted to focus on celebrating our greatness as opposed to just black history is because the, who we have to become in order to overcome 
all of the things that's placed historically that's in place to prevent us from advancing mm-hmm. and 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 being able to live the full expression of what it means to be an American. And last year, the Federal Reserve, they, they released a finding that a, a white high school dropout earns three times more in their lifetime than a black college graduate. Let's look at those numbers, mm. okay? Mm. A white high school dropout earns three times more money than a black college graduate from Harvard or Yale or any of the other institutions. And so the so focusing on to me is not just what we accomplish because we know we have to do it against all odds, but who is it you have to be in order to do that? Mm-hmm. And I think the person who is the absolute personification of it's not over till I win is Byron Allen. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something. Up in here, up in here. That young man, I want everybody to write this down. Your obsession becomes your possession. That Byron, he he became addicted to, to the industry when he went to a studio with his mother, Mrs. Folks is his business partner. And, and when he was out in LA, he was born in, in Detroit, Michigan, his mother's Carolyn folks. And he went to an NBC studio in Burbank uh, where she worked as a publicist. And at 14, Alan put together his first stand up routine and began appearing on amateur night at comedy clubs throughout Los Angeles area and attended high school at Fairfax high school in Los Angeles and college at the university of Southern California. But he's done a whole lot of things that you can Google and find out. And, and, but what, what really speaks volumes is about how, and, and, and I want everybody to think about this. You will fail your way to success. He, he to me is a modern day Frederick Douglass. He's had so many failures, so many setbacks. It is just like they never happened. <laughs> he just he just wouldn't go away. And now he's a mogul in this area of, of media. He believes, he said, the media has a powerful role to play in shaping public opinion. It's important that we have diverse voices and perspectives represented. And he's working to achieve that objective. And that's, that's, that's what he has been working on the majority of his life. He said, don't let your fear of failure stop you from taking risks and trying new things. And so today, when we look at what is it that we must do to overcome the challenges we're facing is make failure your friend. It's a part of the process and see it not as failure, but as a learning experience. But the other thing is be flexible and adaptable and become knowledgeable because what he did in the process of all of that, he continued to explore and to learn and develop a level of mastery in other areas of the media. And now he is a variety of businesses globally in this space, 
and making a greater impact than one can ever begin to imagine. And I don't know anyone out there in L.A. that has done what he has done. Do you? Um, Byron has done quite well. There's no question about it. Um, What Byron is trying to do um, is to, and and is doing it uh, quite well, is building a multifaceted media company. So no one has done it in the way that he has done it. Uh, but certainly whatever one thinks of Bob Johnson at BET, Bob Johnson started with nothing and sold BET for over a billion dollars. Um, so Byron's not the first one to do it, but Byron is doing it in a way that, that, that no one has done it prior to him. So I would say, yeah, he's unique in that regard. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now he believes that, that risk and pushing the boundaries, that is how you achieve greatness. And mm-hmm. I agree with that. I'm sure you do, too. Sure. And he said success is not a destination. It's a journey. You have to keep moving forward even when things get tough. And, and, and as people that are listening right now, I'm saying to you, don't throw in the towel on yourself. Don't underestimate yourself. If you keep pushing, something is going to break through. You have to decide that this is your obsession, and as you move forward, forward, you're going to attract new partners. You're going to see new opportunities. As you keep learning, you will have the flexibility and the versatility to adapt and spread out in different areas. And that's one of the things that he's done. He started out as a stand-up comedian, but he didn't stop there. He, he, he had shows at night that did not make it, but he didn't stop there. He didn't up because he was not appealing and did not have good ratings before the camera. He found ways in the same industry to earn an impact and earn money doing different things than how he first started out. And so when we look at ourselves now and look at the things that we want to achieve, believing in yourself, being persistent, and wanting it badly enough to plow through the setbacks Mm -hmm. and the rejection. Sometimes rejection means changing direction. And he changed direction, and he made it work for him in a variety of ways. And He owns the, the, the Weather Channel and a variety of, of media outlets. And so this is a time that we have to look at ourselves, look at our, our abilities, and ask the question, what are the other things that I might be very good at that I haven't looked at or have not examined. I remember a guy told me once, he said, Les, your success in life will be directly related to your willingness to do the things that you don't like to do. Mm. And I didn't get that at first, Mm -hmm. doing the things that I don't like to do. Well, he was absolutely right, because I just wanted to speak. I just wanted to train speakers. But because I wasn't willing to learn to do the business and watch the bottom line, someone embezzled over $400,000 from me. Mm. Well, guess who I love to look at the numbers? (laughs) 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 I decided to do the things that I don't like to do because that would cost me. And so I was volunteering to be a victim by my unwillingness to do the things that I did not like to do. And I encourage everybody that you want to master wherever you are, all facets of it, develop a working knowledge of every area of the industry where you've decided that you're going to plant your feet. 
because it's very important for you to do that and surrounding yourself with people who have a skill set that goes beyond your skill set, but you've got to monitor. You've got to stay on top of it because if you don't, mm. it can cost you. And and the other thing that's important right now, I believe as I look at, 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 at Byron and the things that he's done and all of us are looking at this place where we are that's chaotic and been disrupted and turned upside down, creating strategic relationships. That that's one of the, the things that you do. You you are a relationship person. And it's our friend George Frazier, he said that your your network determines your net worth. Mm-hmm. And that is real. Yeah. Looking for people that have skills, knowledge, resources, access that you don't have to create relationships with them so that you can create a value-for-value relationship with them. Mm. Now, he said that diversity is not a buzzword. It's essential for creating more just and equitable society. You want to say something? No, I, I, I want you to finish. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to tee you up with a bunch of questions based on what you've already laid out, but you finish first. Okay, no, uh, good. I'm ready for you. Okay, let me let me let me start with this. I want I want to go, before we get to Byron. I want to come back to. Uh, I'm still wrestling with this. Uh, uh, still tickled by Ben Crump and how tickled you were by Ben Crump uh, when he said that we gonna we gonna fight until hell freezes over, and when hell freezes over, we gonna fight on ice. As we say around here, when we fight, we win. When we fight, we win. So I believe in fighting. I'm a fighter. You're a fighter. Ben Crump is a fighter. Byron is a fighter. Anybody who ever achieves anything has to fall in love. Might as well just be a pugilist. you got to fall in love with fighting, right, if you want to win. But having said that, for black folk in particular, Les, given that stat you started with about how a white college dropout can earn more than a black college graduate, fighting for black people perennially, day in and day out, is debilitating. It's exhausting. As you've counseled thousands of folk over the years and motivated hundreds of folk, uh, hundreds of thousands over the years in places all around the world, what have you learned and what, what have you shared with the audiences about not giving up the fight, particularly black people? Because I said, when you have to do it perennially, it's debilitating, less it's exhausting to fight every day. You are absolutely right. And we can't stop there. We have to keep on fighting and fight through it fight through the the exhaustion. It's like doing a marathon. You're going to hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that you're going to create an opening for that you won't perhaps be the person that get to enjoy the benefits of that effort. There are people that fought for what we are enjoying right now that they didn't get a chance to do this. Mm-hmm. But that didn't stop them. It was exhausting. They went to jail. They were beaten the hell out of. Um, some of them lost their lives, but they fought Anyhow, and that's what we must do. We can't stop there saying, oh, well, you know, we, we, it's not fair and, 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 and we're never going to get our just due. I don't buy that. I'm saying that we must still look for and be relentless and willing to persevere to find a way to win, to make our mark. Yep. Fighting is exhausting. Fighting is de- debilitating. And I'm glad we agree on that point. But so is failure. You made the point earlier. Um, that to the extent we succeed, we will fail our way to success. Uh, but some people, after three, four, five, six, seven times failing less, they just they, they give up the ghost, man. They, they throw the towel in. And, and that, to me, is a choice. 
Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. The highest in you or the lowest that's in you. We all have the option to quit. But if you have the mindset that I'm going to climb this mountain, and I'm going to climb it no matter what, and if I don't get to the top, you'll find me dead on the side of the mountain with a big smile on my face Mm. because I was doing what I wanted to do. That's why it's important for you to find something that you're calling, because when it's your calling, you don't care and you don't have any attachments to the outcome. This is what you do. You have the can helps it. This is who you are. And here you stand, as, as Paul Robinson said, because I can do no other. Things did not turn out right for Paul Robinson, but he still fought to the end. Things did not turn out for, right for Nelson Mandela, who gave up 26 years of his life. Things have not been turned around completely in, in South Africa in terms of apartheid. There's still an economic control by the minority that of whites who control the economy of that country. But he still did his part to break the back of apartheid. And so as we think about Malcolm and we think about Dr. King, that they still played their role. And even though they took a bullet so that we will have access to fight, we still got to continue to fight. We can't stop because it's, it's our duty. It's our responsibility. When we come forward after news, traffic and sports, I want to continue this conversation with Les about fighting and failing our way to the top. This notion he suggested earlier that we need to make failure our friend is worth interrogating, and we will when we come forward. You're listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with The Motivator. Les Brown, today's theme is it's not over until you win more when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. I'm Tavis Smiley. He's Les Brown, and you're listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with world-renowned motivator Les Brown as he continues his radio residency exclusively here on KBLA Talk 1580, just one day away uh, from his final master class. Tomorrow, the 28th of February, is uh, the last of these classes this month. But We've uh, we've enjoyed immensely having uh, Les Brown spend some time with us here on KBLA Talk 1580. In case you've just tuned in, today's lesson is called It's Not Over Until You Win. It's Not Over Until You Win. Les has said a few things already in this hour worth interrogating. Let me jump right to it. Uh, right now. I want to give you something right here. Sure. When I was a kid, we used to say to illustrate the impossibility of something that you have as much chance of doing that as a man going to the moon. Mm-hmm. And the mindset was during that time that that was impossible. <laughs> John F. Kennedy decided to call a meeting to explore the possibility, can we go to the moon? Can we beat the Russians there? And one of the top scientists who was from Germany that was there, he asked him, what will it take for us to go to the moon? And he just said five words, five words. And everybody's waiting for him to say something else other than those five words. And just on those five words, John F. Kennedy, he called a news conference and announced, we're going to the moon within 10 years. And we did it in eight. And the five words were, the will to do it. How do we get here? 
How do we overcome the the worst and the most inexpressible form of, of, of slavery in the history of the world? The will to do it. Mm. How, do, how did, when you think about the odds that, that we had to overcome and still overcoming, and it's exhausting, the will to do it. The Jewish carpenter said, whosoever will, let him come, let her come. The will to do it. Yes, sir. Mm. Unpack it. No, I love it. The will to do it. Five words. That's all you need, right? The will to do it. I take your point. When you suggested earlier um, that we need to make failure our friend, um, I get it, I think. But spend a, spend a bit more time on that, about what it means truly uh, to make failure your friend. There was a Walt Disney had a cartoon called Elmer, mm -hmm. and he and he had a lot of promise. He put a lot of money into it, and one of the people that worked with him on his team stole it, and he was despondent. But he didn't stay there; he was depressed. But he came up with Mickey Mouse that the way that you you move forward in life is that when as helen keller says when one door closes another door opens but most people spend so much time looking at and talking about the closed door they don't see the open door so when you keep pressing forward something happens something opens up for you that you can't begin to imagine that's in your favor. Things, people show up and make it possible for you to do that which you want to do. Because even a broke clock is right twice a day. The key <laughs> is, is to persevere and to keep moving. How did you learn um, to discipline yourself? I, I, I love talking to you because oftentimes uh, I'm asking you questions um, that give you an opportunity to offer advice to others. And then there's sometimes I just like getting all up in your business and just asking you how you learned some of these lessons. So let me get all up in your business right about now. How did you learn how to discipline? That's the word I'm, that's the word I'm focusing on. How did you learn less how to discipline yourself to do the things that you don't like to do? Man, I learned from my mother. As I told you, you know, I'm adopted. Mm -hmm. Mamie Brown, when she could no longer work at the M&M cafeteria, downtown Miami, and cleaning homes in Miami Beach, she started selling moonshine mm -hmm. and writing numbers. That's, that's a poor man's lottery. And one day, a guy named Calhoun knocked on the door. I knew Mr. Calhoun. He had been to our house many times. And I said, Mama, he said, no, 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 don't, don't say anything. I want to surprise her. I got three friends with me. We're going to surprise her. We just want to surprise her. Mama had always told me, Leslie, don't open the door unless you tell me. But that time, because I'd seen him around the house, he's what you would call a stool pigeon. I let him in. I trusted him. I was 10 years old at the time. And he came in, they threw me up against the wall, hit me once on the head, and say, she's back there in the back room. They send 
those three cops back there. Look under the bed, pull the linoleum back, and you'll find the homebrew in the moonshine under the floor. Shortly thereafter, Mama came out in handcuffs. And she said to me, Leslie, I told you never to open the door unless you called me. I said, Mama, I'm so sorry. I was crying. I remember going to visit her. And to her credit, she never mentioned when she got out of jail. She never mentioned that I opened the door. And she kept working to put food on the table. So rather than write numbers, she sold slices of sweet potato pie for a dime. Rather than write numbers, she fixed the best peach cobbler that you couldn't eat with your shoes on. You had to kick your shoes off so <laughs> you can wriggle your toes. <laughs> she found another way to provide for us. And I learned through that. I remember they used to restrain me physically when I would go talk to her through the plexiglass and she had to go and they wanted to pull me away and I wanted to go with her. And But I learned from her the discipline of not giving up on that which you say you were going to do. She said she was going to take care of us and even if it meant going to jail, she did that. She didn't become discouraged. She was not broken. She found another way to do that. Because I'm just curious, uh, which is my nature, as you well know, um, uh, and you're curious as well, so we, we are simpatico, we are alike in that regard. Um, what did you and your twin brother Wesley do while Mrs. Mamie Brown was behind bars? I, the Wesley took care of my other brothers and sisters. I went down to a place named Pepper's Junkyard. I would collect metal, copper. I would sell mangoes. I would cut grass. I did art ends. I would stand on the corner. Hey, boy, come on. Come, come, come on, jump on the truck. We got some heavy equipment that we need somebody to help us lift. I did odd jobs to provide mm -hmm. for us because we're adopted. We had no relatives. And so I was the one that became the breadwinner at 10 until mama got out of jail. Mm -hmm. When we come forward, um, I also want to um, ask Les uh, to unpack this notion of uh, being flexible and being adaptable. He raised this earlier in today's conversation. The lesson today is it's not over till you win. It's not over until you win. But you talked earlier about being flexible and being adaptable. Um, I want to get Les to make a distinction between being flexible and being adaptable and downgrading your dreams. That's not what he's saying. They're not the same thing. Being flexible and being adaptable is not the same as downgrading your dreams. We'll let Les explain that when we come forward. You're listening to You've Got to Be Hungry with the motivator Les Brown exclusively on KBLA Talk. So Les Brown, this notion of uh, being flexible and being adaptable that you raised earlier in today's lesson, it's not over until you win. Um, flexible and being adaptable is not the same as downgrading your dreams. I know, you, I know you weren't suggesting that. So can you say a word about that, sir? Absolutely. I was invited by a major pharmaceutical company to come in and to motivate and inspire their sales team to increase their sales. After my presentation, 
the marketing director did a presentation. It was called The Danger Zone. And his presentation was focused on teaching doctors how to create fear within their patients to take, to take their hypertension medication. I watched that. I'm a speaker. I was there to speak. I'd already spoken. I decided once I found out how much money was involved that I was going to go for it. So I asked the CEO, I said, what do you call the campaign that you're teaching these doctors? He said, the danger zone. I said, do you take hypertension medication? He said, yes. I said, why? He said, because I want to live. I said, well, then why don't you call it the living zone? He said, wow. He said, do you know how to train doctors? I said, absolutely. I got the contract. I interviewed about 30 doctors. Do you know when your patients are going to be compliant? Those who are and those who aren't. You know when patients take their medication? You know the number one factor that causes a patient to take the medication that the doctors told them to take? You know that is, Tavis? I do not. Tell me. They have to like the doctor. If they don't like the doctor, they're not going to follow the doctor's instructions. I found that out in interviewing all these doctors. I got the contract. One month, the average American earns six hundred—I mean, $240,000 in their lifetime. That contract was $648,000 in one month. 16 presentations before 3,500 doctors all across the United States, and they flew me to Sweden to talk to doctors there because I was willing to be flexible and adaptable. I interviewed doctors. I've never had a patient. I was the only one that did not have a college degree, did not have an MB, MBA, uh, it was not a medical doctor, and I got the contract because I was willing to be flexible and adaptable, and I use my skills as a communicator to get that contract that everybody and his brother in that industry wanted. Mm. And so that's it. There are things that we can do that we rule out for ourselves, and I'm saying give it a shot. You don't know. There are those five words again, the will to do it, the will to do it. When we come forward in our remaining moments with the motivator, Les Brown, uh, in this uh, class today called It's Not Over Until You Win. Uh, we'll turn our attention to the other issue you raised earlier that we haven't had a chance to interrogate in this hour, and that is uh, being willing to try new things. He sort of teed that up just now, but I want to come to it more expressly, more directly, um, motivating yourself to try new things. You're listening to Les Brown on KBLA Talk 1580. Les Brown, let me ask you this in the uh, few moments that we have left, a couple of things. We were talking earlier in today's lesson, uh, It's Not Over Until You Win, about being willing to take risk and being willing to try new things, taking risk and trying new things. Let me take them one at a time. Um, taking risk scares people because it forces them to move beyond their comfort zone. Uh, and there's something called uh, calculated risk. You, you want to calculate the risk that you are going to take. So you're not saying risk blindly, although you are telling us to take risk. Talk to me about that. If you tell someone to walk by faith and not by sight, mm. 
That's whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, so so because we don't have to really know what's out there. We don't have to have all the answers before we start. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that you alluded to before you came into this space is that this is a time that we have to venture in other areas. I make money from speaking. Everybody listening now need to create a minimum of five buckets of income. Why? Because life is disruptive. It's unpredictable. I have one medication. You're talking to somebody dealing with fourth stage cancer.